Philippians chapter 2 and verse 14 reads this way, Do all things without complaining and disputing, that you may become blameless and harmless children of God without fault in the midst of a crooked and perverse generation, among whom you shine as lights in the world. We started a series a few weeks back called Contrast. We're, we, we've been discussing uh, scriptures, this one in particular and, and, and others, that identify uh, how we are not the same since we came to the Lord, since you were born again, if you have been. Uh, your life has been dramatically and eternally altered. And we are no longer supposed to identify with the way we used to be or with this world system or the world's mentality, but we are supposed to think like, believe in accordance with what the Word of God says about our present day condition. And we are supposed to see ourselves according to this, according to the words of Jesus, as light in darkness. Okay? Not the same as everybody else. Not the same just forgiven. Okay? No, much more than forgiveness has taken place in the life of every believer. God has literally changed so many, many things, and we should be aware of it. We should identify with it. We should, uh, we should speak it. We should think that way. And, and in the midst of this, we can be a much bigger blessing and help to people around us. All right? The world needs you to stand out. The world doesn't need you and I to blend in. Act like we're just the same. Huh? And then one day we have end up in heaven and someone else doesn't. I mean, what a tragedy. Let's get the light out there, huh? Get the salt out there. Let's give, some, give, give some people something to taste. Give some people something to see. We are called to shine, to stand out in a dark world. And so we must then give attention to the differences that exist in the lives of every child of God. All right, the differences. Everybody with me now? Differences, how we're different, how, how, how we're different from the world. They're not fleshly things. They are spiritual in origin and nature. But uh, uh, sometimes I think their confusion can set in when people say, well, um, we're all children of God. And they're speaking of all human beings. Everyone's a child of God. Do you know Jesus didn't agree with that statement? Did you know he didn't speak that way? Jesus didn't say, well, everyone's a child of God. In fact, specifically in John chapter 8, Jesus referenced some individuals, and he said, you are of your father, the devil. <laughs> and, uh, uh, you know, 1 John chapter 1, or chapter, First uh, uh, John chapter uh, 3, in verse 1, it reads, behold, um, what manner of love the Father has bestowed on us, that we should be called children of God. Well, when were we called children of God? Not by, not by uh, the fact that we were physically born, but the fact that we were born again, or spiritually made in the likeness and image of God through the new birth. Okay, So we were not a child of God. Watch this. Cre being created by God and being a child of God are not the same thing. Right? That's one of the stark differences. You were used, you and I used to, if, you, if you're saved again now, used to not be a child of God, but if you came to the Lord Jesus, now you are. 
Okay? You changed families. Now, now, now you're born of him. You have God's DNA running through you, if, if, if you will, spiritually. You have, you have uh, his nature and his character and, and, and a number of different things running through your life. So we should see ourselves, again, not as everybody else. Say, now, I wasn't going to say this, but now I have to. Someone said, are you saying that if, when, when someone gets saved, they're better than someone who's not saved? Absolutely. I'm totally saying that. I mean, you'd have to be a fool not to say that. Why would you get saved if you didn't get better? Huh? <laughs> I mean, I know people can take that wrong, but some people are wrong, you know. And I, I've been wrong before. I don't like to be wrong. I'd rather be right. So I'm going to say what the Word says about you and me. <laughs> Everybody with me now? Now, how many know we don't get any credit for it? I'm not better because... Something I did. I'm better because I bowed my knee. And I said, Jesus, I need you. Be the Lord and Savior of my life. And he literally changed me, saved me, made me new. Set my feet on solid ground. Huh? And he did that in me. For me to acknowledge that is, is giving glory and praise to God. For me to say, well, we're no, I'm no different. You know, that's dishonoring to the one who hung on the cross for us. So let's acknowledge the change, the difference, the value of what the Spirit of God is in our lives. Amen. Now, if you have your Bible, uh, look with me at Exodus chapter 33. Exodus, it's right at the beginning of the, the book there, Genesis and then Exodus. Exodus chapter 33. Uh, let me talk to you about something today. Uh, it, it's the word presence. Presence is, is an important word. Have you ever noticed that sometimes when certain individuals will enter the room, it's like they carry presence. It's like the atmosphere changes when certain people uh, come into the, into the room. This is very much true concerning the presence of God. All right? Uh, when the presence of God is in a person's life, it gives them a huge advantage and causes them to stand out. This is one of the differences I want to talk to you about today. The differences between uh, those with the Lord and those without. Those who have been saved and those who have not yet. Okay, those who've received the Lord, is they have something called the presence of God. And that simple phrase, that simple reality, causes a stark contrast between them and those who do not have the presence of God in their life. Everybody okay? Amen. There is a real big difference, let's just uh, again go to the extremes, between the presence of God and the presence of the devil. It, uh, there's a real big difference in light and darkness, like we've been saying. Uh, the presence of the devil would produce doubt and fear and confusion and, and despair and worry and, and all these type of things. The presence of God, on the other hand, produces 
joy and peace and confidence and hope for tomorrow and, and, and a lot of really positive things. They're, they're, they're very much different, okay? And you can literally have the presence of one spirit or you can have the presence of another spirit. The difference is stark. It's dramatically uh, contrasting. In Exodus chapter 33, this is when, if you know history, uh, Israel was on their way out of Egypt, headed toward the promised land. Okay, They were slaves in Egypt, but now they're heading forward to something much better and much brighter and something that God had promised them. And in the middle of it, it's when the law came, it's when God met Moses on the mountain, gave him the Ten Commandments and all those those things. And there was a lot of events that transpired during that period of time. But I want to pick up on this conversation with Moses and the Lord. How many know God has conversations with people? How many know God has conversations with us? Yeah, yeah. Exodus 33 and verse 12 reads this way. Then Moses said to the Lord... See, you say to me, bring up this people, but you have not let me know whom you will send with me. Now, now, listen to the conversation. Sometimes when someone has had a relationship with God that has gone further than what you have, you can learn something by how they pray. All right, and we're getting some insight. You, you, we got records of Jesus praying. We got records of Moses praying. And he said, but you haven't told me this. You didn't tell me who you're going to send with me. In other words, I, I'm not doing this alone. Yet you have said, I know you by name. And you have also found grace in my sight. Is it good to recount to the Lord what he's already said to you? And it shows you got it. But it also, he's like saying, what's the deal here? You said this. Verse 13. Now, therefore, I pray, if I have found grace in your sight, in your sight, Show me your way, that I may know you, and that I may find grace in your sight. And consider that this nation is your people. He said, I want to know the way you do things. I want to know your way. And by the way, this is your deal. I don't know if you've... Do you have anything going on in your life that you can talk to the Lord that way about? Now think about it for a moment. Are you doing anything? Is there anything happening in your life that when you go to pray about it, you can say, Lord, this is your deal here. These are your people, he's saying. This is your plan. Now, now if there's nothing in your life going on that way because it's all you, well, you might want to start looking for something different to do. I mean, it's a good conversation to be able to have with the Lord, to, to be able to say, uh, this is your idea. I'm following you in this. This is your plan. All right? Hallelujah. Verse 14. And he said, My presence will go with you, and I will give you rest. He said, You want to know who's going with you? He said, My presence is going to go with you. Then he said to him, This is Moses now, If your presence does not go with us, do not bring us up from here. And I can paraphrase that one too. If your presence doesn't go, I'm not going. There's some, there's some real valuable truth right there too. How many people are going to say, 
well, I'd rather have your presence, but if you're not going, see you later. That wasn't his attitude. He said, if you're not going, I'm not going. Come on, let's say that together out loud. Ready? If you're not going, say it it after me. If you're not going, I'm not going. That's a right heart to him. Okay? Not I'm going to do my own thing. Hope you can come along for the ride. Not I've got an elaborate plan. I figured it all out. Really hoping that you'll bless it. No. If you're not in on this, I'm not doing it. If you're not going, I'm not going. Amen. Do you have that kind of relationship with God where you can talk to Him that way? If not, you can. He wants you to be in that place. Okay. And... I lost my verse. Verse 16 then. Verse 16. For how then will it be known that your people and I have found grace in your sight except you go with us? So we shall be separate, your people and I, from all the people who are on the face of the earth. Now I want you to consider, first of all, that Moses put a value on the presence of God, so much so that they're sitting in the middle of this desert. I don't know if you've seen pictures of this area or have any idea of this part of the world. Not pretty. It's just desert dry. There's nothing growing out there. It's just rocks. And, and, and he says, if you're not going with us, you know where they're going. Promised land flowing with milk and honey. Okay, I know that's figurative, but it's a lush place. And he said, if you're not going with us, just leave us here. Here? (laughs) Yep. If we don't have your presence, we're not moving. He placed such a high value on the Lord's presence that he's willing to give up the promised land if it didn't include that presence. Man, there there is something there that if we will get... Mm, it'll change your relationship with God and your future. I mean, even if your current place is flowing with milk and honey, I mean, even if it's a real nice place, but you start changing the value system you place on God's presence in your life and say, if I don't have that, I don't have anything. Now, when he said here, unless you go with us, How many know he's not referencing omniscience? Or, uh, I used the wrong word there. Omnipresence, excuse me. He's He's not referencing omnipresence or the fact that God is everywhere all the time. He's all present. That's not what he's talking about. Because we can say that that was true then, that's true today. God is everywhere. How many understand there's a different understanding of God's presence than just His existence in all places at all times? This presence going with a person is a real practical and tangible reality that we should desire and want in our lives. Okay? And so, the presence of God, you can see here that it would, number one, separate or distinguish between God's people and those who were not. You can see here, number two, that it showed the existence of God's grace. You can see here, number three, that it demonstrates to the world uh, God's chosen. It shows who's with Him or 
who he's with and, and who's not with him. And, and watch, it's noticeable. Because Moses said, if you don't go with us, how's anybody going to know? How's anybody going to know? How, how's there going to be a distinguishing characteristic about our existence, about our lives, if your presence is not there? I don't know, what are we looking for? What are we looking for to be the difference? I mean, if we were to identify and say, if there were one thing that would separate me from who I used to be, or me from someone who does not yet believe, what would that be? And I realize there are more than one, there 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 is more than one thing. But this is what Moses identified. He said, the thing that's going to separate us and and show the difference between the world and And us, that we are your people, that we have found grace in your sight, that you are with us and in us and for us, is your presence. And if that were true under the old covenant, if that were true before Jesus, how much more so would it be one of the most outstanding realities and characteristics of a person who has a relationship with God today, that there's something about them, it's presence. It's hard sometimes to describe or identify or just spell out in words, but it's there. Amen. It's like, it's almost like uh, when you talk about the Holy Spirit. Uh, We've used that word so much and understand the language, but in the... In the Greek language, the word spirit is the word pneuma. Starts with a P, I know, a waste of a letter. Uh, some of you got that in your name, too. <laughs> Wasting the alphabet. Uh, pneuma. And I understand, I'm not, a, I'm not a Greek scholar or a, a Bible translator, but I understand it's a tough word to, to translate because it means like breath. And wind and spirit. And it's translated these different ways. One, one person who knew a lot about the language said it kind of like this. I don't know if I can do this with my mic. But they said it's kind of like this. If you were to translate it, it would be holy. When you receive the spirit, it's a holy. You know, There's something mystical. There's something that's. Hard to explain. When you get saved and the Spirit comes into your life. Say, what's that like? It is good. (laughs) Show me. Um, I I can't. Just watch. Long enough. And you'll see there's presence there. There's something that I didn't have before. I don't fully know how to explain it except my life is better. And we can, we can just explain and describe the outcome of it and many of the blessings that are associated with it. But the Holy Spirit, you ever tried to picture Him in your mind? I mean, we've tried to picture the Father. We, it's easier to picture Jesus, all right? Try to imagine the person of the Holy Spirit. Huh, that's been a bit of a challenge, isn't it? Moses placed such a high value on God's presence. Uh, How should we think of God's presence today? I think at minimum it should be of equal importance. How can we get the presence of God in our lives? How can we have this 
presence? Is, is, is there a real choice here for us? And I want you to see it both ways. I'll explain what I mean. He made a choice and said, we're not going without it. If you don't go with us, we're not going. This is too important. Is there a choice that we make? Is there, is there something that we do that brings the reality of that presence in our lives? Well, let me, let, let me uh, have you turn with me to Hebrews 13. Hebrews 13. And in order to apply this and walk this out, live this out, we must understand the part of it that we really don't have anything to do with. We, we, should, we need to recognize God's promise and His commitment to us. And then we go from there to the walking out of it. In Hebrews chapter 13 and verse 5, it reads, Let your conduct be without covetousness. Be content with such things as you have. For He Himself has said... I will never leave you nor forsake you. So we may boldly say, The Lord is my helper. I will not fear what man, uh, what, what can man do to me? So he's telling them, You need a shift in your mentality. You need to not be consumed with and find your contentment in things of this world and of this earth. Do not base your life upon them. You need to find, find your contentment in such things as you have. And here's what you have. You have the presence of God in your life. You have the Lord who said He would never leave you. And if you will adjust your focus and attention in life on that reality instead of the physical things around you, you will be satisfied. You will be content. You will have boldness in your life no matter what people are going to say and do to you. Okay? That existence of I will never leave you allows and empowers us to boldly say things, to boldly live, to confidently progress and, and move forward in our lives. When you know the Lord is with you and all that He is, you will be able to live in full contentment. So this is a fact. This is a New Testament Today, spiritual reality that the Lord is with us. Okay? You don't have to worry about the Lord leaving you. In fact, in fact, Jesus said in Matthew 28, He said, I'm with you always. Even to the end of the age. Jesus said in John 14, He said, I'm going to pray the Father and He'll give you another helper. That He may abide with you forever. Forever. So we can be certain that in our day, because of what Jesus has done and our receiving of Him as our Lord and Savior, that the presence of God is always with us. It's one of the distinguishing characteristics between a person pre-Christ and after Christ. Between someone who has the Lord in their life and someone doesn't. Is God is with you. 
Now, here's a contrast. You, you, you saw that, what I just said. The contrast is the Lord is with you. Now watch, that means he's not with, quote, them. Alright? The Lord is with you, not them. Right? Amen. Someone said, well, the, I just think the Lord's with everybody. Now watch out. This is why we're talking. This is why we have to have, have this separated within our own thinking. Because in the world's mentality, we water everything down and we take away the power of the gospel, take away the power of his presence, and we make everyone the same. Well, the Lord's with everyone. No, he's not. Say, well, he's omnipresent. Yeah, but that's not what we're talking about. This is a different reality of God's literal presence being with someone. He, if you're saved, He's with you. He's not with them. Hallelujah. And knowing that, that He's with you, that means a whole bunch. That means, a whole, that means He's for you. That means He's there to cause you to succeed. It means He's there to lead you. It means He's there to guide you. He's there to protect you. He's there to help you. He's there to do so much. But that that presence then exists in your life. Okay? So there is this positional truth that the Lord never leaves us. But then there's also the practical outworking of that truth. And that has to do with our day-to-day living. This is when when we get back to the attitude of Moses... Where he said, if you don't go with me, I'm not going. How about we say it this way? Lord, if you're not in this, I'm not doing it. Lord, if you're not leading me, I'm not going. Are you saying if I do something that the Lord's not in, he's going to leave me? No, he said he never would leave you. That doesn't mean he's with you in that. That doesn't mean his, his, his presence is on that particular activity or his event. Even though we could, we could all agree and say, yeah, the Lord never leaves us or forsakes us. But he's not following you down to make that drug deal. Right? You're making some dishonest business deal. He's not in that. I said, the Lord's with me all the time. Not in that he's not. Now, did he leave you as a child of God? No, he's there with you. He's there with you saying, would you turn around? I don't know if he would say this, but I would say this. You idiot. (laughs) I mean, he's still with you, but he's not with you in that. You know, you ever tell someone, hey, uh, you know, someone tells you, hey, I'm going to do this. I'm going to do this. I'm going here. And you say, I'm with you. I'm with you. What What does that mean? You support them. You're there with them. You're, you're there to help them if necessary. Uh, you, you're with them. Is the Lord with you in what you're doing? One of the things that we should recognize is if we value presence, now His presence, then we have to have a lesser value on other things in life. And this is where we need sometimes reminded. I value His presence more than the presence of, of notoriety. I value His presence more than the presence of wealth. I value His presence more than the presence of others or their approval or 
more than the more than I value the presence of pleasure and, and entertainment in my life. I, I, I change my my system and I value His presence above, above the presence of any of those, those things. See, that would be important, and this is going to cause you and I to stand out more than we ever have. Because if I have this standout quality presence of God, but yet I've given all my attention and focus to the value of all these other things, I'm diminishing my light. Huh? I'm diminishing the impact of that God wants to have in me to others to stand out in the midst of a crooked and perverse generation. Israel, during their time that we were reading and going forward, they had a pretty interesting manifestation of God's presence. It was called a fire by night and a cloud by day. The fire kept them warm in the night, gave them a nice night light. In the daytime, going through a desert, nice cloud to give them some shade. But that, but literally what it was, it was a representation, a manifestation of the presence of God. And what they were told to do and how they were to conduct themselves is... They were at point A, and point B was the promised land. They're going there, but they could only move when the cloud moved. If the cloud didn't move, camp out. But when the cloud moved, they moved. When the presence moved, they followed, because they weren't going to do anything without the presence. You don't want the presence leaving and you staying. Well, I'm sleeping in today. (laughs) No, cloud's moving, get up. Let's move. Let's go on because we're doing everything with the presence of God. How many think that would also be applicable to us today that we shouldn't move without the cloud? A whole lot of people making all kinds of moves and they they don't even know the cloud's there. Huh? Maybe they didn't ever know it, but they forgot about it. They slept in. No cloud today. (laughs) People are making all kinds of decisions and moving where the presence of God is not. If we value the presence of God, it overrides even our understanding. It, even, it overrides even our calculation. It overrides our comfort level. It overrides whatever we have planned and whatever we have thought we should do. And we start valuing the presence more. And if the presence is moving, we're moving. And if the presence isn't moving, we're not. So what are you doing today? Hanging out. Hanging out in the cloud. Because the glory of God's presence, His approval, His blessing, His favor, His desire and design for my life outweighs everything else. Because that's when I stand out. But the moment I leave that, I start blending in with the world again. Here I am, saved, filled with the Spirit, a child of God, and I look like everybody else. Not supposed to. Amen. Amen. You know that person who walks into the room and it changes the atmosphere? That can be us, but not from some natural charisma or not from some physical stature, but because of God's presence in our lives, you and I can literally go into a place and it changes as a result of us being there. You can tell when you walk into a house of people who pray, people who worship God, people who love each other and serve Him. There's a presence there. There's an atmosphere. say, well, God's everywhere, but there it's manifest. But there it's a reality. There it's tangible. There it's impacting. There it starts messing with your thinking in a good way. Huh? Hallelujah. It happens here all the time. It's happening even now. It happened earlier when we prayed. 
We just put our attention on the Lord and the presence starts to fix things and change things and heal bodies and sets minds straight. People get direction and answers. And some of you are saying, man, God is totally talking to me right now. He's totally dealing with me in my life. How is that possible? It's not because I'm so smart because I'm not. But it is the presence of God that will, that will take us far beyond human reasoning. The presence of God will do far more than we're capable of doing on our own. We value it. Mm. And it saturates us. I know individuals who have, they are so committed to tradition. They're so committed to the way things have always been. Is they sit, in, they sit in religious services on a day like today. And I'm telling you, there is no cloud there. And it's dead and it's dry. And there is no manifestation of God. But they're too committed to their past, to their, the ways things have, all, 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 have always been. The cloud moved a long time ago. But there they sit. Singing the songs as if the cloud is there. Huh? Going through the motions, giving money to, to, the cl- to the cloud that's gone. Amen. We should be conscious, aware of the presence of God. And want it more than anything else in life. Listen, I mean, how many of us... Would If you've been taught the message of, of the word and you know about the power of the tongue and with the heart one believes and so forth. If you get attacked in your body and you've got physical problems. I mean, how many of us, we stand up and we start making bold declarations and say, no, absolutely not. Himself took my infirmities. Himself took my pain. And by his stripes, I was healed in Jesus' name. And we take our stand and we dig in and we stay there and we believe God and we speak the word over our lives. If people have financial challenges and troubles don't don't we do this we go to the word and say but but you are my provider you said you'd meet all my needs so i declare that opportunities are coming to me that you're opening doors and and providing my every need according to your riches and glory by christ jesus and we boldly say these things and i'm not saying that's wrong or we should diminish that in any way but how many times do we stand up and say i'm going to use the promises of god regarding his presence in me. And, and the revelation of His person, His character and nature, and starts walking the floor and pacing our, our, our hallways and saying, thank you, Lord. You are showing yourself to me. Your presence fills my life. You fill my mind with understanding of eternal things. And I know you. And I know your ways. And I hear your voice. Now listen. So why would I do that? <laughs> Because that matters more to you than a healed body, than a full wallet, than a, a, you know, everything else working out in your life. And I don't diminish the value of those things. But this has to matter more than that. If all of our prayers and all of our statement of faith all has to do with me and my well-being, and never is it, is, is it included in that to know Him, to know Him closely, to have fellowship with the Father and value His presence, then I'm missing it. And you'll discover a whole lot of stuff that you need and want and desire in life either goes away or gets fixed in the middle of pursuing and seeking after His presence in your life. That matters more. It must matter more. 
Hallelujah. I think it would do us good to give ourselves to times of saturation. Give ourselves to times. You know, we, we read those verses. If you read just before that, Moses would meet with God in the tent of meeting. And Joshua was his servant. Joshua would be there with him in a good position. Moses would leave from the meeting, the conversation with God. And it said Joshua would linger. Joshua would, would, would hang out. He would stay and say, I'll, I'll catch up with you later. You'll find that when people really encounter the presence of God in a real way, they don't want to leave it. They don't. There's something there that makes them want to just stay. Whether they articulate it or express it, it's just there's something right about this. and I, <laughs> I just enjoy this. Listen, times of being saturated, spending time. We do these in our, do this in our believers meetings on Wednesdays. S- being saturated in His presence will create in you a desire for more of it and less of the world. You'll have a le- less of a desire for worldly things. You'll just say, I just want the Lord in my life. I just want to be in His presence. But you, if you give yourself to it, you'll find your desire for it will increase. Because he is, he is most desirable.